0: Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. In this episode, we're speaking to the chaplain at Whitgift School, Alan Bays. We'll find out all about the responsibilities of a chaplain, how Alan provides support to all pupils, regardless of faith, and the relationship between the school and the Croydon Minster. But we'll also explore charity work and how the school and students get involved in this. So come with me now as we talk to the chaplain at Whitgift School, Alan Bates. Alan, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today?
1: Thank you very much. Well, I'm delighted to be joining you for this podcast today. I've actually just come back into school. I've been off for the last few days uh, with a cough and a cold, but I'm feeling a lot better today. And it's been lovely being back in school again and catching up with colleagues and having... A fairly varied day sort of meeting with students and staff and uh, and catching up with emails. I'm looking forward to this conversation with your, yourself this afternoon.
0: I've been looking forward to it too so I'm very glad that you're here and thank you again for giving up your time for this. But before we carry on I'm picking up a bit of am I picking up a South Wales accent there?
1: You are oh well done yes yes I'm actually from Swansea originally and before well actually I was born in Swansea but immediately before I took up my post here at Whitgift. I was actually vicar of a parish, just north of Swansea, for over 13 years. So I have spent quite a large chunk of my life in Wales. And yeah, absolutely, I am from South Wales. So
0: what was it that brought you then from South Wales to to, to Whitgift? How did you end up in this part of the world?
1: That's a, that's a very interesting question. I've always been interested in working in, in the... Um, field of education. Before I was a vicar of a parish in Wales I was actually a university chaplain at Durham University and I was keen to to work again in the field of education. In my role as a parish priest in Wales I I spent quite a lot of time working with the uh, local schools in the area and when this post was advertised in the church times I thought it would be good to go back into sort of a full-time sort of educational role and uh, and was delighted you know to receive this post and to be able to move to Whitgift.
0: So you mentioned about education tell me a little bit about your own education I mean did, did you grow up in in Swansea as well did you go to school in Swansea?
1: I did yes I I grew up in a village just north of Swansea called Penfigel and attended the local primary school there as well as the local grammar school and from there I went to uh, Imperial College in London where I studied physics and uh, and I worked for a number of years in physics and then did some research in in astronomy as well while I was in London at UCL and after that I worked uh, in the computer industry and was also very involved in my local church and, and felt a, a sense of calling to the ordained ministry and so I gave up my job as a computer consultant and went to Durham University where I did another degree in theology and trained for the priesthood there at St John's College in Durham.
0: Gosh so if you don't mind me asking how old were you when you decided to make that jump between being a computer consultant to, 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 to a life of ministry?
1: Well, I was in my early 30s, actually, so it was quite a big change for us as a family. I'd only recently been married and had a young child, so it was quite a quite a big sort of step of faith, really, to do that.
0: And what did you find to be some of the major differences? Because they, they are very different lines of work, aren't they?
1: Yes, indeed. Although I'd always been very in, involved in the church and felt that one day this might be a a calling. And indeed, interestingly, quite a few of the people who were on the same course as me at university had had a similar background. And it's becoming more and more the case these days that a lot of people who end up becoming ordained in the Church of England, you know, have a background in industry or in some other career. And I think, you know, it, it means that you have more life experience and so on to bring into your ministry. So actually, it's not uncommon for people to to come in this way into full-time ministry.
0: And given what you've just said, is it actually encouraged that people should go out to work before they train for ministry?
1: Very much so, actually, because you are encouraged to have a, a broader experience of life and to understand what it's like sort of being you know, in the working world, as it were, I'm not sort of fresh out of university. Uh, so, yeah, that's very much the uh, the way we're encouraged to pursue a vocation these days. And and in fact, that that's the advice you are given. If you feel that you have a vocation, you would go and mm. see somebody and, and you would be advised to do that. Yes, that's very much the route that people take.
0: I see. OK, so let's talk about your role then as chaplain at Whitgift. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been doing that for
1: well, I joined the school in in two thousand and sixteen, so I've been here for just over five years now and it's it's been a a fascinating journey i mean no no two days are are the same really it's a what one of the things i I like about the role is is how varied it is i mean a lot of it is is pastoral work with pupils and staff and parents as well so I do spend Quite a lot of my time in one-to-one conversations, you know, around pastoral issues. But I get involved on the teaching side as well. I, I have been because I've got a background both in physics and in theology. I'm able to offer, you know, opportunities to do some part-time teaching, you know, in in different areas. So I, I sometimes help the uh, TP. We we don't have all it with if we call it TP theology and philosophy. So I sometimes help out. In the TP department, with teaching classes and and doing other work, uh, I also help with the physics department, and uh, I do a lot of individual stuff with students, particularly sixth form students, around extended essays and and other projects uh, where there's an opportunity to to do kind of detailed cross-curricular work. Sometimes it involves those kind of deeper questions at having you know a theology degree and an and interest in philosophy sort of enables me to get involved with
0: and would you say that the pastoral side takes up more time than the teaching side or the other way around
1: I think it's it's sort of yeah I'd say the pastoral side is is the main thrust, thrust of the work really yeah
0: and tell me how you work as as part of the pastoral team supporting students I mean what sort of in what sort of ways do you help those students
1: well I work very closely with our pastoral deputy Mr Dale Kirby and I see I also work alongside the counsellors. I mean I'm not a trained counsellor myself so the support I give is is slightly different from a more detailed counselling goal. but I see boys individually but I also work with staff as well and quite a lot with parents because I chair the Parents' association, and uh, I often speak to parents who um, who need support as well. So, so it's a sort of it's a fairly broad role in terms of pastoral support that I give in school.
0: And in what ways does this help the students in school?
1: I think it it helps to give them sort of guidance in terms of any particular issues they're struggling with, uh, personal problems, or sometimes there may be face-related problems, or Some of them are mental health problems, just helping them feel they're more integrated and more settled in school. And it it varies in terms of the sort of boys who might sometimes it might be around behavioural issues. So it's quite varied in terms of the support I'm I'm able to to give them, really.
0: So let's talk a little bit then about the diversity of pupils at Whitgift. How do you manage to support that mix of of faith and non-faith pupils in the school?
1: Well, we're doing a lot of work around inclusion and diversity at the moment at Whitgift and we've set up a number of sort of working groups and I chair the Faith and Belief Working Group. So we have on that group representatives of different faiths as well as people of no faith as well. And and as you say, Whitgift is a very broad community, even though it, mm. it was founded by John Whitgift and has a sort of Christian foundation. We do have boys of all faiths and none and there are various societies and groups to support boys specifically uh, within the school. So for example we have a we have various Christian societies. We have links to Croydon Minster. Some of our boys sing in the choir, some of them help out in other ways and i've just been preparing a group of boys for confirmation there we also have a lot of muslim boys so one of my colleagues runs an islamic society and Mm -hmm. does regular prayers where we support boys of um, other faith hindu faith and so on and we try and create an environment where people are able to be accepted in their own faith identity and are able to engage in healthy discussion and debate with people of other faiths so we're sort of focusing on on how we can work together more effectively within the school community as people of all faiths and none.
0: And you mentioned Croydon Minster. I mean what is the relationship there between the school and Croydon Minster?
1: Well, we don't have a chapel at the school which is in some ways slightly unusual given it's got a sort of faith foundation, but Croydon Minster is our sort of main church as it were and is used for the the main activities within the school so for example we have an annual carol service that takes place there but also a number of our boys um sing in the choir as choristers some of them are involved in in playing the organ as well and we do have a director of music at school who is also organist and choir master at Croydon Minster so there's, there's a very strong link on the musical and liturgical side, but also we have other services throughout the year. We have a Founders' Day service for uh, not just Whitgift School, but other schools that are part of the Whitgift Foundation that we're um, we're willing to. And so Croydon Minster is our kind of main sort of church that that historically the the school has been associated with and and linked with, and all sort of big events tend to take place there. But mm-hmm. also on Sundays, I. I would be there most Sundays taking services, preaching, taking, you know, and also during the week uh, taking Evensong and other services. So I do spend quite a lot of my time as part of the staff team at Croydon Minster as well as at Woodgive School as well.
0: So with the choir and with Evensong, that sounds all really quite musical. And of course, with some yeah. South, South Wales blood in you, are you, are you, are you musical yourself?
1: i am yes i i do uh i do enjoy music and i do sing actually so yeah yeah it definitely helps i think in terms of this this role so
0: let me guess do you sing maybe bass first bass going to guess
1: no i'm tenor actually tenor, interestingly okay. enough yeah right yeah tenor
0: lines are often some of the nicest lines that, that can be sung of course but possibly harder to learn than some of the bass lines would you say
1: Yes, yes, definitely. Because often the tenors do pick up the melody, you know, more so than the bassists do. Yeah, yeah. But mm. uh, I do, I do enjoy singing very much, and mm. we do, we have had uh, staff choirs uh, in the past as well that have done concerts in in the minster. So um, mm. I do get involved with those as well as obviously the musical side of of the minster and and at, at Whitgift as well. So.
0: Okay, let's talk about charities committee because I understand yes. you sit on the charities committee. What type of charities do the do the students at Whitgift support? And what would you say has been the most memorable appeal that you've run?
1: Well, each year we we support three main charities, one international, one national and one local. So currently we're supporting an African based charity Siawanga Africa which provides aid to some poor people who uh, live in in rural Africa we also support we're also supporting Young Minds which is a mental health charity and Mm. and that's a particularly important one you know for us as a school and we do a lot of work around mental health and we're supporting a local Croydon based charity which one of our former students I was involved in setting up called Lives Not Knives, which focuses on 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 tackling knife crime and, and educating people around that so i I'm head of charities and I work with a committee mainly of six formers who organize a number of different events throughout the year, so at the moment for example, where in the process of organising a charity concert, which is our big annual event that takes place just before Christmas, and mm-hmm. so we have a lot, it's, it, a lot of boys uh, and also some girls from with uh, from Old Palace and Coiden High, where we've got we've got links. will mm-hmm. be taking part in that, and uh, we we raise several thousand pounds, you know, from wow. these events every year. Uh, mm. So it's it's been great. But as well as our sort of big charity event we also support things like local food banks. so recently mm. we've been doing an appeal for food banks, so I've had a number of boxes around the school that boys have been helping set up and we also at the beginning of term did a collection for the Afghan refugees as well. so yeah we we, we try and support you know a range of local and and national charities and do a range of events throughout the year, some ongoing and some specific targeted events.
0: And of course these these charitable acts are are clearly going to be beneficial for the recipients. But tell me a little bit about how it helps the students at Whitgift.
1: I think it's it's really important because um it's um it helps them to be aware of their responsibility, you know, for mm. um the world outside Whitgift. And I think It it can be very challenging and I think a number of the boys who do get involved in this sort of work often will go on to work in, in some sort of area not unrelated to this in the future or if they don't I think it certainly encourages them to be more outward looking and outward focused which is very much part of our aim as a school because as well as doing charities we do a lot of volunteering work as well and we try and identify you know, opportunities to get boys involving in lo- in the local community and in, in other projects as well.
0: Now, of course, Christmas isn't far away. Do you have any reflections you'd like to share with us ahead of Christmas this year?
1: Well, I think Christmas is going to be quite a, a sort of an emotional time for many people this year, because, mm. particularly after COVID, because it was very difficult last year, you know, mm. and the year before as well, because of lockdown and people weren't able to to visit, loved ones and and to to do the sort of things that they normally do so i think a lot of people are looking forward to to being able to spend christmas with their families in a way that that they haven't been able to do for several years so i think it's going to be very emotional for a lot of people and uh, and i i i hope and pray that that there won't be another lockdown that actually, you know, we will be able to to go ahead and, and have a quiz because I know so many people are desperately looking forward to to spend that time. Actually, my son is in America at the moment and he's hoping to come come across. he's studying he's doing a masters in american he's hoping to come over and join us for christmas so we're lovely to to see him actually we haven't seen him mm-hmm. for for a while now so we we're, li- we're looking forward you know to having a lovely family get together at christmas ourselves as i'm sure many other people are
0: and are you expecting him to follow in your footsteps going to ministry as well no (laughs) No. (laughs)
1: he's he's very much he's interested in in sort of design the course he's doing is design engineering and he's very interested in practical problem solving and and doing something practical to particularly around the area of climate change so that's that's Mm. his passion and his focus is Mm. is is making a change you know in in through through design and through practical solutions He's, he's you know and and I think uh, I admire his passion and his enthusiasm for that, you know, mm. and I think he's, yeah, indeed all my children, um, we've got three children all together. They're all very passionate in terms of, of what they do and so on, but, but yeah, good they, to I don't think he's likely to. To go into the midst. but you never know. You never know. You never know. No, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I Alan, didn't think I would when I was his age, but you know. Uh,
0: Alan, do you think it's harder in 2021 to have a faith than it was, say, 50 years ago?
1: I think it's different. It's harder in some ways because certainly then faith was much more embedded into the culture of society, and people often sort of grow up in communities where faith was. Often at the hub of the community, that's less so nowadays. I think we've lost our sense of connectedness, lost our sense of community, particularly those of us living in urban areas. And and so religion is very much for me, particularly the kind of Christianity that I endorse, which is focused around a sort of church community is something that I think that that flourishes when there is a strong sense of community and, and I think yeah it is hard because society has become more fragmented and, and I think people people are struggling I think in that context, yeah, to connect and do you think
0: faith is more important than religion or the other way around?
1: I think the both go together really. I think religion gives more kind of structure and so on so i mean faith often people think of faith in a more personal sort of spiritualized way and 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 that that is important in terms of being able to connect through prayer and through spiritual practice but but the sort of the religious aspect you know the the sort of uh, in terms of being committed to a particular community and to a particular set of of beliefs i think gives structure to that faith so for me the two go together and and are important. I wouldn't want to drive too much of a wedge between them, really. Interesting.
0: And you mentioned that you, you only mentioned this briefly, but you said you studied astronomy as well when you were at university. Mm, yeah. What led yeah.
1: you into doing that? Well, I've always been fascinated by space uh, as a child and... Uh, one of the clubs I, I run at school is, uh, is, is Doctor Who Society, actually. So I think it was probably my fascination with, with time travel and so on as a youngster that sort of led me into physics and, and I've always been fascinated by space. And I also run a junior physics club. In fact, earlier on today we we had our junior physics club where we often explore space and so on. So, yeah, I've, I've always been fascinated from a, a young age, which is what took me to to read physics at at imperial
0: and and how would you fancy the idea of going up in richard branson's virgin galactic spacecraft
1: well yes that would be <laughs> that would be quite, uh, quite <laughs> i'm afraid i'm not thing, offering <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating actually but i i was listening to a comment that i think was it elon musk made recently when he went up that seeing the earth from space made him realize the fragility of, of existence and actually, you know, has made him think more deeply because, you know, I mean, I, like many others, care very deeply about the future of our planet and I'm concerned about what we're doing to our planet in terms of time change. And I think it's interesting that people who've been into space, I remember the first astronaut in space, again, looked back at the Earth and and, and had a kind of almost a mystic moment. I think there's something about seeing seeing the Earth from space... That, that makes you realise that, you know, how fragile we are and and how dependent we are on this planet and on each other and, and so on. And, and that can be quite a powerful experience for many people, I think.
0: And quick question, just for fun, if you had the chance to go into low orbit or to the moon for a couple of days or to Mars, and let's ignore the fact <laughs> that it's a two-and-a-half-year journey to Mars... Or if you were somehow able to zip to another star, which clearly we can't do right now, which of those four options would you
1: choose? Probably Mars, I think, because I think... In terms of the possibility of colonising another planet, I think Mars is the is more likely option. And I think being able to spend more time, rather than a quick trip, I think it would be good to experience, you know, and, and, and just sort of recognise some of the challenges that, that we would face in terms of colonising another planet. Um, mm. So, yeah, Mars probably would be the option I would, I would go for of those. So
0: choosing a planet over a star in that case?
1: Yeah, because I think the problem is the star is still a long way away and I'm not sure exactly what would be the purpose of of going to the star yet. I mean, hopefully in future we might establish some possibility. I know Stephen Hawking has talked about the possibility of colonizing other planets outside the solar system, but but we're not going to colonize a star. If we're going to colonize Mm -hmm. anywhere else, it's going to be a planet. So let's at least start with a planet, you know, in our solar system. Where we can sort of, you know, where we can learn and experience this before we kind of go head for the stars, it were. So.
0: And of course, in Philippians 2, we're called to shine like stars. So in your role as chaplain, you kind of get the best of both worlds there if you choose a planet.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good that's a good scripture. Actually, Yes, yes, I, uh, I would agree with that one. Yeah.
0: Alan we need to bring this to a close in a minute but if anyone's heard anything and might have a question about about what you do about their children in school about their own faith for that matter what's the best way for them to get in touch with you
1: Well they can either send me an email or message me via Teams or If they're in school, just pop in to see me. I mean, my my door is always open and uh, I welcome, you know, visitors at any time or or wing me up. You know, my contact details are available on on the school website and in other ways as well. But yeah, I'm always very pleased to see people and to talk to them about face and, and other matters as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's really good. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for talking to us today and for giving up your time.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: So that was Alan Bays talking all about his role as school chaplain. Thank you so much for your time, Alan. It was great to hear all about the support you offer and the kind of charity work the students get involved in. So that's all for now. Our next episode is coming out after the Christmas break. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Happy Christmas and bye for now.